0: How are most creators with degrees in creative fields, especially high art, living today? What are some of the unexpected ways they're navigating the world of uncertain arts funding, dwindling local art scenes, and the attention economy? And what might we learn from them? My name is Emma Katrovas, I'm an opera singer turned experimental performer, and I decided to find out, one artist at a time. Each creator I interview is an answer to how to live as an artist today, and there are as many answers as there are artists. If you like the idea behind this podcast, consider subscribing to the newsletter sent out on the 13th of every month. You can find all the relevant links in the description. Here's to being on the verge. And the fish were frightened. So beautiful. Madness. It's a popular literary and operatic theme, but seldom would you get to talk to an artist who is trained to cure madness. I met Helena Mamich at a masterclass in contemporary vocal music at the John Cage House in Halberstadt, Germany, in late summer of 2021, and quickly learned that her mind was just a little outside the ordinary. You see, Helena leads a double life, She's both a doctor at a psychiatric ward in Berlin and a soprano specializing in classical contemporary music. As a singer, Helena has achieved enough even for someone who doesn't have a parallel life as a doctor. She has premiered numerous works by contemporary composers, recently debuted in a new opera at the Bethanian Theater in Berlin, collaborated with the German band Black Needle Noise on a crossover track, the one you're listening to now. And in the year 2019, she won the Vecernjakova domovnica prize, awarded annually by the Večerni daily newspaper for the most successful musician of the Croatian diaspora. And as if that wasn't enough, Helena has recently published a book of political haikus in her native Croatian and written the libretto to a short opera based on her experiences as a psychiatrist. We talk about the latter project a little bit, but what isn't clear from the conversation is that the short opera is still in need of funding. One of Helena's big missions is to educate the public about psychiatry, and this project is one of the ways she would like to do that. Helena and I talk about how psychiatry and classical contemporary music complement each other, how important understanding someone's culture is in determining whether they have a psychiatric condition, how every discharge letter from a psychiatric ward could be a libretto, as well as one thing that Helena says should be taught in conservatories, but isn't.
1: It actually all began from a very interesting anecdote. When I was probably six years old, five and a half, there was a conversation with a very... Interesting lady from my father's village, a very small village near Tomislavgrad in mm-hmm. Bosnia and Herzegovina. She was quite a lucid, smart person, eloquent for those standards from one village where one cannot find so easily any kind of educated people. But there were few people that were highly intelligent, and her cognitive capabilities were really amazing. But she was like very interesting, strange, what we could say for her and she had some very interesting life stories but also she knew how to retell certain stories. She had a special talent and people actually accused her for being in such a different behavior that seemed to be like an outcast from society. I developed communication with that very lovely lady. We used to chat a lot and she told me so interesting why things about life and i have seen that on the table she was uh, very often taking mental bonbons so i told her like her name was Ruja that told her auntie Ruja, these bonbons are like mental bonbons not mental bonbons <laughs> and we are going to send uh the patients or those who are naughty to uh, not to mental hospital, but to men- mental peppermint hospital. And that's how it started all about. <laughs> On the other hand, I, as a child, I was organizing like shows for other children and for my relatives, singing, dancing. All kinds of movements that I could actually make with my body or just sing out my soul. I sang all of those popular TV hits because I was very prone to remembering any kind of music that was streamed in television. And that's how it started that my parents uh, to enroll me in piano classes. And I was also attending church choir in Split A few persons who were actually my teachers, they recommended me that I enroll into classical singing lessons rather than pursuing piano or singing in choir. And I was around probably 16, 17 when I started with my first singing lesson ever in my life and never looked back.
0: You also talked about how you found out you had perfect pitch. Actually, neuroscience inspired
1: me. I was then like in probably second year of medicine studies, and I was attending singing at the, the local conservatory, and I was actually doing a solfeggio exam. I was asked something to to name an interval or a chord. I don't remember what was that. Uh, I didn't know how to name the interval or the chord, but I said, I hear these tones. The teachers uh, from the panel were astonished because they asked me, do you have a perfect pitch? I said, I really don't know. I think that everybody has this kind of capability. I actually discovered that it is very, very small number of people who can really name the certain pitch. And when I actually discovered that, I started uh, doing much more this contemporary music. I loved classical contemporary music as a part of gymnastics for brain. When I was uh, really having certain obligation to sight read something or to learn something very fast, like a few days before the concert, if somebody gets ill and I had to jump in. Then I remember that during those days when I was sight reading that music, I was also studying other things quite fast but it was like a memory card functioning so i found it as very interesting gymnastics that inspires my brain just to work towards something uh, new interesting not not only in the field of music but also in the field of medicine chemistry whatever uh, there were so many interesting fields in my life and actually i can thank everything to music because music gave me this kind of discipline when we undertake music lessons when we develop ourselves in this and um, of course it is very valuable especially if we learn it during our younger days, then it is really precious. Do you know if anybody had uh, to teach me things on conservatory, Not to teach me too much musicology and all of these unimportant things for me, but to teach me how to be more assertive. Then where would I be today? Mm. Yeah. If you understand what I say. Yes, yes, totally. I had a lot of shame. How Mm. would I dare to ask somebody? No. But to be assertive and to... Make a lot of uh, shameless promotion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could do that, but I'm just a different type of person. I'm a little bit uh, closed up in my box and yeah. think a lot. Mm-hmm. yeah, but if somebody taught me those things in conservatory or to teach me more languages or, other skills, not musicology, musicology. Organizational and, yeah.
0: skills: how to write grants, yeah, how to network effectively, how to be, get a project from point A to the premiere. That's Nobody taught me that. So, so, but it's so important for most artists.
1: I think yeah. it is uh, after singing technique; it is on the second place of importance. Yes, but sure. the life happens, and one cannot say yes. What would? Be happening if it was like this and this and this. Mm. But the main point is just to crack further and yeah to stay positive and to get into all of those things with bona fide. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So how does uh, music and medicine fit into your life? Uh, wh- how exactly do you split your time?
1: Actually, um, I'm very, very blessed and lucky because I chose uh, not an easy field uh, in medicine because I'm actually doing my specialization in psychiatry. And it does take a lot from an inv- individual. I cannot say it is an easy task no but on the other hand there is a huge link between classical contemporary music that was my choice in music and psychiatry it is very new for <laughs> each other actually it feeds each other it is like a symbiosis <laughs> between <laughs> those two branches uh, this psychiatry that is completely abstract It doesn't have anything to do with internal medicine or with surgery. It is so specific. Mm. It is like a philosophy in medicine.
0: Yeah.
1: That is the closest point of view that I could fit into this definition. Mm. Philosophy in medicine. And what is, on the other hand, music? It is philosophy in the art. It is like a good marriage (laughs) (laughs) between medicine, medicine, like psychiatry field and classical contemporary music. I got a lot of inspiration uh, from uh, psychiatry to fit in this classical contemporary music. And also, how do I actually split my time? Mm -hmm. I have to have very, very good organization, time management. I actually work nearly full time. I also do dienst, what is said... So, 24 hour shift. So, every part of my free time after work, after shift, after dance, I can really dedicate myself a little bit more uh, for this repertoire of classical contemporary music and to organize concerts and to do this uh, also administrative stuff that is most annoying from this perspective of a performing artist. So, yes, I have to divide my time. Very smart. And also I have to organize myself very well also to function in my private life because private life is a reflection towards singing, towards Mm. functioning in
0: medicine. So I try to nourish myself in life fragment. It's funny, because I, I automatically laughed when you said classical contemporary music, because you didn't say music, you said classical contemporary music mm. <laughs> is a very good fit yes. with psychiatry. <laughs> <And Yes. laughs> so what is it? So what is it about classical contemporary music? That is such a good fit. Uh, w- well,
1: I would, uh, everybody who asks this kind of question, mm. um, one cannot easily visualize that if one does not see certain mm. scenario. Many of these co- uh, uh, contemporary music sounds, actually, one can find them in uh, psychiatry. You know, uh, <laughs> yes, it is true. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I believe you. Because when people scream or when they produce uh, certain sounds, when they're under certain conditions, like psychotic or Mm -hmm. drug abuse, alcohol abuse, you couldn't believe how they produce certain sounds. Mm -hmm. And of course, in completely normal stage, they wouldn't be able, if if you Mm -hmm. had an opportunity to show them the recording, what they were Mm -hmm. doing in that Mm -hmm. psychotic state or drunken or drugged up state, Mm They just couldn't believe they would say, no, you have recorded a completely different person. Mm -hmm. No. But since it is um, banned to do these kind of things to record somebody, it is highly punishable. And uh, so one could not have a proof that it is really possible. And
0: what could our brain produce in certain circumstances? Have you used imitation to uh, interpret some like extend we call this extended techniques of course in in classical contemporary music right when you're not singing but you're creating other sounds noises with your with your voice what actually
1: happens when i practice them mm-hmm. then the person stops to produce them
0: it is very interesting you mean you mean when you do it while they are doing it? Yes. Ah, okay. I see. I didn't even think of that. I thought I okay. Oh, see yes. that's okay. Well see, this is Helena why I think you're such a funny person, because you would even think <laughs> to do that on a shift. <laughs> While you, uh, were, as a, <laughs> while you were in the hospital. But I was alone in the shift. Yeah, because you're alone, so you can actually imitate. Okay, okay. I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> I was thinking you would take off your doctor hat and put on your finger hat and remember your doctor self. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then imitate it. Okay, that's interesting. I uh, no. no.
1: <laughs> actually, I'm taking an advantage of yeah. scenario. And, uh, yeah, experimental music actually gets inspiration from this kind of, Mm.
0: uh, let's say, different circumstances. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, so much of uh, contemporary classical is a kind of breakdown of sanity to the point where it becomes a little bit, you start wondering, well, is there something else that we can express with these extended techniques besides breakdown of personality and breakdown of some kind of social barriers? But... Um, it's been so important to the 20th and 21st century, this kind of vein of using the voice to transgress in some way. So it's it's so interesting that you that you were able to kind of go to the source almost. <laughs> You're going to the source <laughs> and researching field research in, in extended techniques. That's so interesting. Partially, yes. I add something
1: in Chelsea or in Vito Miržuraj
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: compositions, mm-hmm. uh, but those very small nuances, and also when I present certain uh, work of composer, of course I use uh, these impressions uh, from the uh, from the perspective of psychology and cognitive side, and also society. What is really important, because con- classical contemporary music retells the story of society. It is a mirror of society.
0: It just seems like maybe the, the same impulse that makes you want to work with, with people as a doctor can be this a similar kind of impulse that makes you want to be a performer in particular because performing is something so human-based and you're constantly having to feel others because you are really reaching in to people somehow and you're really trying to tune yourself into them. And I wonder if, if a doctor particularly... A psychiatrist who is dealing with something so nebulous, so much more nebulous than I think doctors who who only work with the yes. body work with. Whether that there's this sort of similar impulse there.
1: That's why actually I chose psychiatry for mm. this reason because I'm a live performer. It mm. is just in my soul. Choosing other branches of medicine was not an option for me mm. uh, because psychiatry is like semi life performance, not of myself, but watching the real performers. And uh, actually, it let's say spiritual theater, because Mm there are people who are in completely different state of mind. Mm -hmm. And it is a real theater. One does not have to make this prepaid. Uh,
0: (laughs) You don't have to pay for a ticket, yeah.
1: No, you don't have to pay for a ticket. You have it ready there. Mm -hmm. And it is really very interesting. It really inspires a lot. And also not only in the field of performance, but also to write something, Mm -hmm. to write a scenario, to write a libretto, because every kind of discharge, letter from psychiatry, especially from this acute (laughs) psychiatry, can be used as a libretto. Have you thought of actually doing that? I have done that. Oh, you have done it. Okay. What I actually did through this process, uh, it was very important for me, because there are a lot of people who have no idea about details in psychiatry, like certain diagnosis, mm. they never heard of it because it is so specific. It is not like mainstream general medicine or internal medicine. So people have a lot of information. Psychiatry is something like quite specific, especially mm. those disorders that are uh, in certain diagnosis. For example, psychosis. There is a huge spectrum of, of psychosis. It is unbelievable how many diagnoses just have... Mm. Um, under uh, one diagnosis it is unbelievable Mm. so actually using uh, of these scenarios and uh, collaboration with uh, composers I actually teach people about certain disorders interesting so they get better insight how it looks like
0: Madness, as such, is such a big theme in literature and in opera. What is your definition of madness as an actual expert in this?
1: (laughs) Very good question. I would define it from the perspective of psychiatry. Madness is a term that was probably modified by psychiatry, defined and filtrated. But madness is older than psychiatry. And once psychiatry will disappear on this globe, madness will still exist. (laughs) So it is a (laughs) phenomenon. There are a lot of forms of madness. So actually psychiatry has defined it very precisely. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a mixture of uh, those symptoms and of course behavioral patterns, uh, cognitive alterations uh, that happen in acute stage of Mm -hmm. that type of madness. So... Uh, there are actually a lot of them, a lot of types mm-hmm. of madness. And because there are a lot of types of madness, I'm really fond of
0: psychiatry. And- mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but So there's no really concise definition. I mean, you can't say madness is when uh, your definition of reality does not match that of the majority people of people around you, for example. It is actually one of the symptoms, but there is just huge number of yeah. them. You know what's interesting is the, so people who are not psychiatrists and people who are more I don't know philosophers or something like that would mm-hmm. maybe point out well it would be mad today if you thought that you could pick a certain herb on the full moon and eat it and this would help you find the the love of your life for example but there are recipes like this and pagan rituals and this kind of thing which are mad by our standards but would not be mad then because uh, a certain amount of people agreed that they are Mm -hmm. true so that kind of complicates it doesn't it i mean if if it is reality this kind Mm -hmm. of thing but that's more i guess for philosophy and not not psychiatry yes
1: but also um it is more part of philosophy than for psychiatry because psychiatry actually it treats the disease it right. treats symptoms mm-hmm. and um, there was one small podcast where I actually spoke uh, about these problematics mm-hmm. but it was in Croatian language because I could express myself much better yeah,
0: in, in
1: this language so I could give more information but what was the main point the body language the architecture of language your mother's language can mean a lot in terms of psychiatry because there are some cultural norms in Mm. your language expressions culture and everything that it is treated completely normal but in other countries completely unacceptable so they actually do a lot of psychiatrization Mm. there are countries that are crazy of uh, uh, so huge uh, psychiatrizations like germany Mm. It, it is completely normal here, when one does not fit into the box of mm. certain patterns, crazy. I mm. say, no, you should really understand what people actually mean when they uh, mm. tell you that in the interview. Because mm. I remember once that we had a woman from Bosnia. Mm. and Luckily, I know... Partially that culture. Mm -hmm. She was in uh, in a German hospital. She was yes in a German hospital. There wasn't a person from therapists or doctors or anybody who was talking uh, who spoke Croatian language or Serbian or Mm -hmm. whatever. But That woman came. She had PTSD, and she was uh, treated like person who had psychosis. Mm -hmm. But many of them thought that she was like talking about things that do not exist. But when I stopped her, I I asked her, what do you see? Why do you think that? And she said to me, and I said to other colleagues, no, it is not that. Mm -hmm. God, uh, she's she's not psychotic. Mm -hmm. She's uh, traumatized because uh, some uh, cultural norms are actually completely normal for that part. And she is repeating that because those are the memories from her young adult days before the war. Mm-hmm. So she was only
0: recycling those happenings and opinions and mm-hmm. cultural parts. And, like, what, what sounded so crazy in German that, that was normal in, in her Actually,
1: it sounded crazy for German people uh, that she was talking about a bee and uh, she was mourning about the uh, bee that was killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, an insect. Yes, yes, yeah. a bee. Yeah. But they thought that she's crazy because she's moaning. Uh, and that she had psychosis. And then I explained that, no, she's not psychotic. Uh, she's moaning because when a bee is killed in Bosnia, mm-hmm. it is a very big deal
0: mm-hmm.
1: because a bee means a lot for the nature. And they are very prone uh, to protect nature. It's just a cultural thing. And when one hurts a bee, then that person is not considered as a good person. That is the thing, and that's why she's she was sobbing so horribly. Mm. Plus, she was traumatized from the war and everything. But she was repeating that story, and she told me, "I'm so sorry. I cannot get over that." But I said to her, "I talked to colleagues, and then I explained everything. Do not worry. Do not cry, please. Everything is now completely clear. Why was that? But you're not responsible for that. I know that you didn't want to do that." but how much energy it takes to understand these cultural norms mm-hmm. and the language. Yeah. So it is also a big challenge. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy that I discovered that through my work. So that's why I made podcasts uh, so people can get better insight how important it is uh, just to understand the culture and to have interpreter for a certain language if one ends up in psychiatric department.
0: You know, another thing I thought of when you were talking just now, cultural norms. I mean, artists are meant to sort of question them and and dance around them. And there's certainly always a vein in art, especially experimental art, which Kind of uh, dances the line of, of sanity, you know, like um, poetry that defies grammar, for example, or, you know, surrealism. I mean, d- do you think there's an insight in what we generally call madness that we sort of need to, to have or to listen to or to somehow cherish or nourish? Or is there madness in all of us? Or how do you see how do you see this this, this connection to, to mad art and madness? Uh, so, there was an interesting
1: proverb uh, said that there are only people who are walking uh, without diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, our, all of our lives consist of certain point of madness, because life without madness would be completely boring mm-hmm. and uh, monotone. Mm-hmm. So, to have a little bit of madness, uh, it is this creative madness that makes us very unique. Different from each other. And that is actually a gift from, name it, uh, Universum or God or Mm. whatever. But it belongs to the spiritual side more than to this psychiatric aspect. Mm. Because as I said, uh, psychiatric aspect is very much into this behavior issues. It does not question too much this uh, spiritual and uh, cultural things. Mm. But I think it should be much more questioned if we want to develop not only medical field but also as a holistic field because mm. holistic is also very uh, important as an approach towards these kind of patients who are in a need
0: it seems like the only well the, the main difference is that if someone is suffering or making others suffer then their madness is a psychiatric condition and if they are, <laughs> if they are making art and <laughs> and maybe not suffering so much, or at least uh, not making other people suffer, then it is not a psychiatric condition.
1: <laughs> also, uh, that is that is very ambiguous. Yeah, there are of course. who do their art and they do not make other people suffer because mm-hmm. they are very much into art, and art is actually their ergotherapy yeah their therapy Mm. yeah occupational therapy Mm -hmm. as i can define yeah but also it doesn't it doesn't vaccinate them from uh, having certain psychiatric uh, disease or just a condition that had to undergo a certain treatment Mm -hmm. they're just different type of person but it is more type of personality than the madness itself because Mm. madness or any kind of diagnosis that has anything to do with psychosis or with these uh, very difficult uh, illnesses in terms of psychiatry, it is manifested uh, very differently by an individual because uh, all of us have a certain personality. Mm. But also, there are very accurate symptoms that actually make cluster of certain symptoms that form
0: a diagnosis. Mm. Well, what I'm just getting that uh, getting at is uh, that there's madness in all of us, in the sense that human beings do so many things that don't really make sense on an immediate level, uh, <laughs> in terms of just immediate survival, you know. And a lot of that is called art, or it's called spirituality. For most of human history, those two things were inextricably linked; they were almost the same. And then, you know, I've I've also uh, heard about this idea that a lot of people that today would be seen in our Western society as having psychosis would be maybe shamans or would be considered like they're reaching into the underworld or something like that. And it's just a matter of can a society integrate these people and how are they integrated?
1: It is true because uh, people who cannot get uh, integrated into society or they have uh, problems with functioning mm-hmm. according to this uh, daily structure, what they yes. love to say. Uh, mm-hmm then they are uh, observed as people who need certain treatment. Well, I'm not yet opinionated about that because still I have to learn a lot about certain practices, religions also, right. in order to be able to say something about that. right. But of course, just the term of no- normality, it is very stretchable. Mm-hmm. So... The main point is to learn all of those cultures. I know it is not possible because who can memorize everything? Who can right. know everything? But also maybe developing better connections with people who are in that kind of profession who could be very helpful.
0: Mm.
1: For example, that that is the point, this collaborative part mm-hmm. of psychiatry, I would work on that. Mm-hmm. For example, I, I see some kind of difference in behavior, but I do not know the language of that person. I cannot understand that person doesn't speak English or German or... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I have difficulty to understand what is it all about. I cannot find an interpreter for this kind Mm -hmm. of language. For example, it was Tigrana language,
0: believe Mm -hmm. me or not, This is a real case you're talking about.
1: Real case. Mm -hmm. Real case. And it was really very difficult Mm -hmm. and then the next step would be okay could we just talk to a person who probably studied this part of culture Mm -hmm. or who traveled to this part of world Mm -hmm. so person who has a good insight into this kind of culture doesn't have to know the language necessarily Mm -hmm. but who visited it to explore the circumstances so i would really love to Go into that direction. That psychiatry yeah. makes for this
0: collaborative psychiatry. Mm-hmm. It would be really amazing. It seems like you're more interested in educating audiences about psychiatry rather than using art as some kind of therapy therapy method. As if I understand correctly.
1: Yes, actually, it is my mission to help people through this point of view, and I find it uh, also quite challenging. It is not an easy task, Mm -hmm. and I'm very happy to work very hard in order to be Mm -hmm. able to develop it properly, and that people actually profit from this kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And I think this concept uh, will have a good impact in future. Maybe not in a year because it really takes time to develop something like that. Probably in five to ten years, it will really get a good renome, and it will find its place. Under not only Sky of Berlin, but also somewhere else in the world. I never know where am I going to, to travel or to present my work. Uh, I'm just living in bona fide for everything and for art and for
0: medicine. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that convo. To follow Helena Mamich's projects, both as a singer and a psychiatrist, her website and social media are linked in the description. Here's to being on the verge.